Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and these past few weeks have been very exciting and emotional for those of us who love Marvel and or Game of Thrones. Winston and I were totally thrilled to talk about our feelings with none other than Lauren Shippen, whom you may remember from our Captain America episode. Right off the bat, let me tell you, there are spoilers in this one, so if you haven't seen Endgame yet, press pause because we start by talking about the end of the movie. For those of you who are not MCU fans, don't worry. This is the last Marvel episode for a while. And if you are an MCU fan, also don't worry, because we'll have more soon. We've got a bunch of really exciting episodes coming up, some in a similar vein to what we've been talking about, some totally different, so I am very, very excited to share these with you. In case you don't know, Lauren is the incredible creator of The Bright Sessions, and she has just released her new podcast series based in the same world as The Bright Sessions, The AM Archives, available now on Luminary, and sound designed by Misha Stanton of our Iron Man episode. She also wrote a book in that universe called The Infinite Noise, which you can pre-order right now. You can also hear her on the D&D podcast, ARCs. Seriously, Lauren is absolutely incredible, and I am just so grateful to her for taking the time to chat with us about this momentous culmination of 11 years in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, I have a ton of people to thank today because we just made a bunch of changes to our Patreon, and so many wonderful folks have upped their pledges. First of all, thank you to our newest patron, Michael Beck, who is joining us as a producer. Also, thank you to Katie Steidel and Sarah Schrammick for upping their pledges to the $5 level, and thank you to Zoo Yorker and Allison Turi for upping their pledges to our $12 producer level. They join Michael and our other producers, Emma Cohen and Rena Sarame, who all have haircuts as amazing as Captain Marvel's, and our advanced producer, Mara Zobrist, who is the glue that keeps us together, just like Natasha Romanoff. We also recently changed our rewards for both producer levels to be more geared toward patron requests. At the $12 level, we'll be releasing monthly mini-episodes on a topic of patrons choosing, and at the $25 level, we will be live-streaming full-length video episodes monthly on a topic of patrons' requests. But that's not all. We are going to be doing a live-streamed episode for all patrons later this month on an oft-requested topic. Game of Thrones. We're definitely going to do regular episodes on Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire soon, but in the meantime, you can hear all our thoughts on what's going on in Westeros for as little as $1 a month. So come check out what we've got going on at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. Don't forget that you can always support the show for free by sharing us with your friends and leaving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Last but not least, thank you to ZipRecruiter for sponsoring this episode of Pairing. I'll tell you all about it later on, but if you can't wait, go to ZipRecruiter.com pairing and you can post your first job for free. Without further ado, here is episode 37, Endgame with Lauren Shippen. First of all, just let me say, Lauren, there aren't enough fake air horns in the world to welcome you to Karen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a fake 
fake trumpet uh, <laughs> fanfare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to pairing, Lauren. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, we we've been talking about having this little follow up since we recorded last time. I yeah. think because we knew Endgame was coming and we knew we were going to have feelings about it. And boy, howdy, do I. (laughs) Oh, boy, howdy, do we all. Well, uh, I don't even I don't even know where to start. Oh, Um, I have a suggestion. Okay, Jensen knows where to start. So I want to start at the very end. (laughs) And in the last couple of shots Mm -hmm. of the film, when Cap is dancing with Peggy Carter, yeah, I was like, the only thing that could make this better is Lauren Shippen's proposed line of "You're late" <laughs> in the dance hall. Like I was already crying. I was like, Man, yeah, Lauren said. I cannot believe that I tweeted uh, so many things into existence. Like it's true, you made it happen. I tweeted my wish list of what I wanted from that movie, and it gave me it on a silver platter. I cannot believe it. By the power of Grayskull. Yes. <laughs> Well, um, no, so very true. And I can attest that is Winston did lean over to me at the very end and was like, should have gone, gone with Lauren's writing. Oh, my God. That's, I'm so know. honored. Of course. At Marvel, Marvel hire if me, you're please. out there, hire, yeah, hire Lauren. Chippen. It was still heartbreaking and beautiful. <laughs> oh, it, it was. was. So, it was. I was crying like a baby. I just, I was oh, so happy. I, Dude. as we talked about last time, what they did, what they did with Cap was like pretty much what I expected if he didn't like flat out die yeah. in battle, then something like this was going to happen, yeah. especially once they introduce, you know, time travel and he talks about yeah. Peggy Carter from the beginning. And so so that that I was, like, prepared for. I really, really didn't think they were going to kill Tony. I know. That, that really took me by surprise, honestly. It took me by surprise, and that was when I started – bawling like a little child yeah it's, but that was out of like shock and sadness while at the end it was like kind of sweet sadness yeah with, I it, it's interesting because like I going into it I, I thought I was like all right one of the Avengers is gonna die but I don't know who because like as I got closer and closer to the movie I thought I don't think that they are actually gonna kill Steve I think they're gonna do something weirder with him and they did something weirder which I love yeah. um but I so I but I didn't think they would kill Tony and pretty much from the moment the, the um opening titles started going I was like oh Natasha for sure is gonna die because yeah and the little montage of stuff that they have in like the Marvel Studios title sequence they had little bits of scripts from like uh, all of the first Avengers um lines and stuff and hers was I've got red in my ledger and just like very quickly and, the, yeah. and I just happened to catch her and I was like oh that means she's gonna like die to sort of wipe that whole slate that's clean. so infinitesimal <laughs> oh my god yeah I totally I did not notice, notice I don't know why I just had this like I had this like gut feeling when I saw that I was like yep she's gonna die but Tony Tony took me by surprise and I don't even like I mean as I as I tweeted in that same thread where I talked about uh Steve and Peggy dancing yeah Tony and Peter as like a father-son duo it like it just gets yes. me and so Peter crying over Tony I thought would like have destroyed me but I think I was in such shock that like that's actually not where I lost it. It was it was at Happy talking to Morgan about the cheeseburgers that I lost it. Mm. <laughs> I just like oh, fully yeah. like so punched sweet. a sob out of me. I don't know why, but oh it just got me. <laughs> to oh me, it God. was it's gonna be okay. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. So Ugh. that was that was heartbreaking Ugh. too. I mean, I kind of figured Tony was gonna die because really? I knew that Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to be part of the I franchise th- anymore. See, I thought I knew that too, but I thought that they were just gonna have him like retire. And have right. 
someone, you, you know, because I thought they were setting up Ironheart. Right. With Captain, in Captain Marvel, with Monica Rambeau's daughter. Daughter, yeah. Hi there, future Emma here. So I misspoke. Monica Rambeau is Maria Rambeau's daughter. And I believe in the comics, Monica is also known as Captain Marvel at one point and is not associated with Riri Williams. I don't know where I saw that, but I know that some people were talking about the possibility of Monica Rambeau becoming Ironheart, which would be cool and not unheard of for the MCU to conflate two different characters, but we may see Monica on her own. Oh, while I'm here, the wine that I would pair with the moment Thor kills Thanos at the very beginning is a late harvest Sauvignon Blanc dessert wine because it's sweet, but made a little late. But everybody, that's what everybody was talking about. I was like, oh, cool. Well, that's really exciting. Well, maybe, maybe he'll pass the mantle on to her, so to speak. I did not think he was going to like die well but. uh yeah i don't think i realized that Ro- that robert downey jr was like done with the the franchise because i sort of assumed like okay we're not going to get any more like rdj centered movies but he's going to like pop up in spider-man movies right that's kind gotcha. of what i thought too because like i knew that i knew that evans was like i'm done i'm out yeah right. um i didn't realize that about rdj i don't think yeah rdj maybe left it left the possibility open i right. guess right yeah. it was a little less it, it was definitely less clear cut with him yeah but also, I forget if I told you this or not. You remember at, at Tony's funeral at the end, they're like the panning shot of everybody yeah. there. And then there's like the random kid. Yeah. So I was reading an article about it. And apparently that's the kid. Or that's the actor who played the kid in Iron Man 3. Yeah. I heard about that, which is amazing. Harley, right? Was his name? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's his name. Which I actually loved about Iron Man 3. I'm one yeah. of the few yes. people that will defend that movie. Not on all grounds, but on some grounds. Oh, if you ever want to talk to somebody about about Iron Man 3, Megan Fitzmartin, who does Red Rhino podcast, she loves that movie. It's one of her favorites. I've, oh, been, I've yeah. been wanting to uh, have her on the podcast um, if if she'll be down or just to chat about it because we've been like, oh, yeah. as Twitter friends, we've been like kind of back and forth about yeah, Marvel yeah. stuff. I was like, <laughs> I, think we, I think we need to be friends. I think we need to make this Yeah, she, she will stand that trilogy of Iron Man films any day. Awesome. I, I acknowledge that it's deeply problematic, but I think there are some very cool things about it. My, yeah. my main problems with Iron Man 3, which I was talking with Misha about because we just released the Iron Man episode with Misha Stanton. My, my problems with that movie, besides the whole Mandarin thing, which is a much deeper problem within the MCU it's, or within Marvel itself. Right. Um, but my main problem is kind of the same problems I have with most Shane Black movies, mm. which is that it's just like, just like, Ode to misogyny, kind of. Yeah, kind of <laughs> the bright just a, like, just a little, <laughs> just a little light spritz. But I do think it is a very good movie. That that it may maybe even the strongest of the Iron Man movies. Though yeah. I, I like the first Iron Man a lot. But so my only thing is, so I love that about Iron Man three. My only concern is that because they got the kid from Iron Man three to be in the end of a, of Endgame that they're setting up that he might become the next Iron Man. Hmm. I read this theory somewhere, which is not necessarily, like, a bad thing, but, like, they, they've got Ironheart, and with the direction that the MCU is going, like, more diversity and more yeah. women leading. Um, Has made them billions of dollars. Yes. Yes. I would be I would be very surprised, honestly, if they introduced any kind of 
new Iron Man for a while, right? Because it's like we're gonna be we're gonna be adjusting to Sam Wilson as Captain America, right? And right. like, so I think that I think it'll probably. And we've got what we've got more Black Panther movies, more Spider Man movies, Guardians Three, yeah, Guardians Three, um, which I am stoked because I also thought that Chris Hemsworth was done, but they yeah. seem to be yeah Thor at least four they keep talking about. I can't tell if it's a joke or not, or, <laughs> or he's gonna join the Guardians of the Galaxy, right. Or which I am totally here for. I feel like since Thor Ragnarok. Chris Hemsworth has had like a renaissance with the character. Yeah. <laughs> and um I, I was reading an article about how he he said like after Age of Ultron, he was like, I'm so bored with right. Thor. Like I don't know where to go with this character. I feel mm. so stuck. And um And then Taika Watch and then, yeah. <laughs> Taika watched in. Ghostbusters and was like, Oh, Chris Hemsworth is funny. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Yep, and the, and the more they really like play into that, the, I I love it. I loved the, all the Thor stuff in Endgame. Yeah, it was ridiculous, but it was wonderful. Hey, it's me again, Emma from the future. That joke of mine really works for this episode, huh? I just wanted to say that after we recorded this episode, I saw some stuff around the internet with people being unhappy about how they treated Thor and his depression in this film. While I don't want to offend anybody, I would argue. As someone who has dealt with mental illness my whole life, that how Thor copes with his depression and PTSD is actually realistic, and it's conveyed with humor because that makes sense given the tone of Thor's character since Ragnarok. My impression was that the humor didn't undermine the seriousness of what he was going through, but if you didn't feel that way, I'm sorry if I offended you. Uh, Your feelings are valid. Totally. Oh, and the wine that I would pair with Professor Hulk is an Etna Bianco from Sicily. They're delicious and refined, but from a volcanic area, which could explode at any moment. I kind of think he's gonna, what he's gonna do is pop in, like, to the Eternals. He'll pop in the Eternals, mm-hmm. and then he'll pop in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, he's gonna have these kind of 20-line-plus, you know, cameos, yeah. I think, in a bunch of the Phase 4 stuff. That's yeah. just my sort of well, especially That makes sense. Especially because we now have Captain Marvel and we've introduced the scrolls and stuff. It's like, it feels right. like now, like, space is maybe going to become a much larger part of the MCU. And, yeah. you know, Thor is always wandering around up there. So... <laughs> yeah, secret, sure. secret war, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. Which, speaking of uh, Captain Marvel, I know that... You know, when the when the Endgame trailers came out, everyone was really upset because Brie Larson was, like, way more made up and, mm. like, looked different than she did in Captain Marvel. Yeah. But then as soon as, like, the five years later thing happened and she's got her new amazing haircut, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, everybody's so happy right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's the that's the, the Carol Danvers that I feel like I'm most familiar with is, like, the short hair, like, full costume, flying around, being the universe's, you know, police force. She's just so yep. badass. Totally. Leader of sword. Totally. Yep. <laughs> Which um, that just made me think of, I didn't really do any like wine planning stuff for this episode. I just figured we'd, we'd chat. Yeah. But one thing that that like that moment of seeing her haircut reminded me of is like the first time you have a sip of rosé and it's like full on spring. Yes. And, like winter is over. It's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Sundress day made manifest. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I do yeah. want to say that I, I do have a bottle of wine that I did not open because I like I'm not going to have a, a, the opportunity to finish a bottle of red wine in the next like week. But it's called Whistling Arrow, which I just thought, <gasps> thought would have been perfect. Nice. You know, 
uh, so good. Given, you... I mean, I know that that Yondu isn't in Endgame, but still. But, uh, but like, we can like Hawkeye, Hawkeye, exactly. kinda. We can we can kind of make it. We can make it count. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't think of anything like really apropos wine wise for Endgame. Yeah. But we're drinking a wine that we love, which is this Spanish white. Mm. And uh, the only the only justification I can give is that it's a field blend, so it's a blend of a whole bunch of different grapes. Oh, nice! So you know, it's like the Avengers all coming together. It's like that final scene with like how many different characters that we've been watching and caring about. So many, so many. <laughs> all of them, every person. Like, Every single one. We like, even got Tilda Swinton in the. I know, <laughs> and and uh, Natalie Portman. I mean, like everybody came back. <laughs> I know it was amazing, except for. Uh, I hope she becomes Lady Thor. Like that would be oh amazing. amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm pretty sure that Natalie Portman is like. She said done. So. I think she. And that's yeah, fair. I think which is which is fair. But they could. I mean, they've recast some characters before, like Hulk. Hulk. And um, oh, and War Machine, maybe, <laughs> and War Machine, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> both of which I think were good choices. Much yes. as I love Edward Norton and Terrence Howard, I thought that it felt like Mark Ruffalo and Don Cheadle just kind of like blended into this world, yeah, a little better. Well, I, I feel don't like know. Don Cheadle and, and Rob Downey Jr. have like really nice chemistry, of like they do, yeah. Yeah, they do just... way better than. Yeah, with Terrence Howard. Mark Ruffalo can't help but have chemistry with everybody. Yeah, like. I know he's like, so he's such an interesting actor because he's so like quietly dynamic. You know, it's like he's yeah. never like chewing up the scenery or anything, but you're always kind of drawn to him anyway. Yeah, you yeah. have to pay attention to him, yeah. even though he's not trying to get yeah. your attention. It's really cool. What's this wine called, by the way? Confucius. 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 Cheers. I am uh, drinking stem cider, just an apple cider. I figured, you know, all American apples. You know, stem cider from Denver, right? Oh, I don't know. Actually, it's from Denver. Yeah, I bet it we, is. we used to Colorado. We used to sell. Yeah. Yep. We used to sell yeah. that, and very when nice. I worked in very Colorado, nice. there you go. I still got it. Um, <laughs> it's very good. I like <laughs> yeah, it, they they make good stuff. Um, yeah, we should do a cider episode. We totally not, should. It's not really like. Anyway, I'll save that thought for another time. But yes, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, that's, that's more like an Ant-Man Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I did, I was joking that I want to do like all the bird-themed Avengers. Yes. Or, so like a falcon, Hawkeye. Vulture. A vulture. And I guess um, you could count the wasp if you wanted to. Kind of. I winged. So not, flying, it's yeah. not bird. Winged, winged creature. Yeah. 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 I thought no. I was gonna say I thought I thought that Paul Rudd was a uh, was just like the MVP of of this movie. It's totally sort right. of his movie. He, he's in a lot of ways. Yeah, he literally saved the world. He drives. The, <laughs> yeah. he drives the plot. He yeah. Kinda... Well, and I, I it's interesting because I, I so a year ago, like the month after Infinity War came out, me and Megan and uh, our friend Andrew Nowak, who's uh, one of my actors in Bright Sessions, yes. we all are huge Marvel fans, and we're like, all right, we're gonna do a rewatch of all you know, 20 films or whatever at the time. It was, you know, maybe 19 movies yeah. um, between now and and End, Endgame. And there was, I think, a couple that I hadn't seen. 
Um, and I made like a whole spreadsheet and I was, you know, we were going to track everything. And of course we got like three movies in before it just became impossible to schedule. Totally. <laughs> but, uh, last week I did, I did sort of like look at, and I was, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to rewatch Infinity War, you know, before I see Endgame. But then also like, oh, Ant-Man and Wasp just got added to Netflix yeah. and I actually haven't seen that one yet. And I'm so glad I watched that before <laughs> Endgame. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the like weird movie that you don't expect you need before Endgame, but I would say it's like it really helped my enjoyment. I think for a lot of Endgame, absolutely. I think that if you hadn't, if you haven't seen the Ant Man movies, the the kind of whole conceit of what they're doing would feel totally out of nowhere. Yeah, but because uh, especially Ant Man, yeah, they and the do Wasp, lay a little groundwork. I guess. Yeah, especially yeah. in Ant Man and the Wasp, where they lay the groundwork for um, the quantum realm. Right. And, and him being trapped there in the very last bit. Yeah. 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 No, I thought that was really cool. And I just thought they did a very good job all in all of like tying up so many threads. You know, there's so many. There's definitely 11 years of threads. There's definitely yeah. things that I was like, huh? And there's things that I'm like, wait, what happened to that person? Um, hmm. But the main one is I, I did not catch what happened to Gamora. Yeah, yeah. What do you end. think happened to Gamora? Oh, I think she just, like, past Gamora just stays in the present. Yeah. Right? She's not with them. So so something happened where she, like, when Thanos' oh, whole yeah. army was destroyed. Because she's not with the Guardians at the end Yeah, either. like, and so that's, I think that's right. what they're setting up for Guardians 3. Guardians 3 is going to be, like, finding right. Gamora and convincing her yeah, to, like. The search for Spock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Because well, I bet she probably just like after the battle just like went off and was like, all right, I have some stuff to figure out. A lot just yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. It's also possible that I missed it because I was just like bawling because of Tony Stark. There was but some crying. There, there was, was some, some crying, crying that occurred. <laughs> yep. Well, I just wanted, I wanted to give you two a chance to talk about, because Lauren, you and I talked a bunch about Cap last mm-hmm. time, um, but Winston is also a huge Captain America fan. And so I just wanted to give you guys some time to like talk about how you felt about <laughs> our Steve Rogers feelings. Yeah, yeah. Steve Rogers uh the Steve Rogers support group, which yeah. Oh my God. I love that yeah. so much. Huffle Hufflepuffs for Steve. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I like just there were so many and I think maybe because it's I think Winter Soldier was the Russo's first MCU movie. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah, they did they did Winter Soldier. And it was yeah. a masterpiece. Which is a masterpiece and uh I there were so many very specific Winter Soldier callbacks in Endgame that I really yes. enjoyed. Like the Oh my god, the in, the, in the elevator. The elevator. <laughs> oh my god. So good. Which is I still think like maybe the best scene in all 22 movies I mean, in Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is just like, I, I of course rewatch that movie too because I just rewatch it, you know, every of month. <laughs> yeah. Because it really yeah. is a, it's a, it. a perfect movie. Um, But yeah, that and then like the fact that, you know, he and like, I don't know, there was something really beautiful in paralleling like Steve starting the movie, like picking up the mantle of Sam you know, giving a support group to people who needed it, who'd been through this trauma that yeah. Steve can relate to. Oh my God. It broke my heart that he was just there. Yeah. God. So just like, yeah. And then him ending with giving the shield to to Sam is just like a perfect little like scale balance thing for me. Yeah. It. I love that. I love that too. What I, what I kind of love about him is that he has that same aspirational hero quality that Superman has, mm-hmm. but 
while he is superhuman, he's not a demigod the way right. Superman is. And so when Steve has no options left, what does Steve do? He goes and leads a support group. Yeah. You know, like he's just trying to make things better as much as he can. And I know yeah. you guys talked about his, his kind of death wish and he, mm-hmm. he does have that. But it seems like in this movie, he kind of overcame that. Yeah. And figured out that he had things to live for. And yeah. the conclusion of his story really is him sort of capitalizing on the rest of his life. Yeah. While still standing true to his principles. And it's 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 super cool. And I just like... I've been over the anti-hero thing for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, me too. And it's nice to see uh, like a true blue kid portrayed in a three-dimensional, you know, complicated but still fundamentally true way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the fact that like he's not like I, because you know, I think Superman for me is a character that I've always had a hard time with because it's like he ultimately just feels a little bit boring to me because he Fair doesn't enough. have any conflict, right? Um, yeah, he's a god, right? Exactly, he's a god, and that it's hard to to challenge that in an interesting way. Whereas the thing I love about Steve in this movie is, yeah, I agree. I think he kind of overcomes that death wish, and then unlike a hero is supposed to do, he makes a really selfish choice. Which is, I think, so interesting to sort of say, like, all right, yes, I'm going to go back and put these stones back in place, but then. I'm not going to help rebuild the society. I'm going to go back and just redo my life over. And yeah. it's like, I, I I, don't know. I love that because it, it it keeps him from being kind of just like the perfect stand-up infallible yeah. hero, you know, because he ultimately does make a selfish choice. And I think that that's so much more interesting narratively than like him sticking around and becoming, you know, president of America or whatever. Right, right. I agree. I agree totally. Well, and I guess uh, – the way I differentiate him from Superman, and I do like Superman, but the thing I like about Superman is I think he's a fundamentally tragic character. Mm-hmm. Like he's this god, but he can't make people better. Right. Steve, yeah. on the other hand, can make people better yeah. by his example. You know, like in Winter Soldier, when he's talking, when the the people are like, "Nope, can't do it." Captain's orders. Yeah. Tears, yeah. Tears. Yeah. Yep. Tears everywhere. But like he does do that, even though he's not a god. And so for him to finally get his kind of just reward, mm-hmm. I mean, that made me cry more than anything else. Yeah. Just like having having peace is just like something I didn't think right? I would ever see him have, which is just so nice. It's it really is, and it's a fun mimetic uh, trick with Thanos too. Yeah. That's kind of what mm. Thanos is wanting at the end of uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Right. Right. I just had, I had two quick thoughts to interject here. One that I just wanted to say. So I love the Steve Rogers support group. Absolutely love it. One criticism I will give is that I, again, read an article. So we had in this movie the first instance of an openly gay character in yeah. the MCU. And it was played by Joe Russo, which I didn't realize that that was Joe Russo. And like, okay, that's nice. But like, you don't deserve a gold star. I'm sorry for for having like 30 seconds of a character that is openly gay. And I hope that, I just hope that that is something that the MCU, which seems to be slowly but surely, or I guess more rapidly in recent years, with like Black Panther, Captain Marvel, I hope that the next step is like making Valkyrie canon gay yeah. or, you know, something like that. I also kind of think that they're prepping everybody for Captain Marvel to be gay or at least bi. Yeah, I would which, I would love possible. that. I'm not going to bet on it, but Yeah, I think I think it'll be uh 
I think uh, the Chinese markets need to get cool some stuff before that happens. <laughs> like, yeah. That's ultimately what it comes down to with any Disney stuff, right? Is yeah. yeah. They've got they've got global box office. Yeah, exactly. They did the same thing with Beauty and yeah. the Beast where they were like, oh, yeah, LeFou is gay. And it's like, well, no. I mean, <laughs> not really. Like, you put in one little m- moment kind of. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's because it's, you know, the international markets are still super important and not as open to having those things in their theaters. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's tough. You know, hopefully, hopefully we will get there soon. Um, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to make that point. All right, it's me one last time. I also wanted to say that while I stand by my criticism of LGBTQ plus representation in the MCU or lack thereof, and I think that most people would agree with me, I also understand that this was a very poignant and touching moment for many queer people. And I definitely don't want to undermine that. I'm just saying, let's get more of these moments. Lots more. Oh, and while I'm here, this seems like a good time for an ad read, doesn't it? Okay, so imagine that after Scott, aka Ant-Man, emerges from the quantum realm, thanks to the world's most helpful rat, that he wasn't able to find Natasha and the rest of the remaining Avengers. Would he have given up? No. But he would have needed to assemble his own team of quantum physicists to make it work. And he could have done that with ZipRecruiter. Want to hire top talent for your company? Try ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash pairing, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-A-I-R-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Assuming that Thanos didn't snap it out of existence. Now back to the show. Well, then just the, the, the second thought I had in, in terms of Steve Rogers' arc in Captain America's arc in Endgame might only thing that I wish had happened is I wish that Steve and Bucky had had a moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really didn't. I thought that, I mean, I thought it was nice that Bucky was like, hey, Sam, go talk to him. He like, he wants to talk to you. Yeah. Like that was nice. And it was nice that, you know, Bucky like understood what was happening and what was going on. Yeah. I just wanted to see a moment between them. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I mean, you know how I feel about Steve and Bucky. Like that relationship yeah. is the, the, core of it's all Captain America romance right yeah. like yeah it's, it's it is. just it's like yeah like you know Bucky and Steve are home to each other and they are you know best friends and brothers in arms and all that kind of stuff and it's such an important relationship and I so I, I would have expected to like have walked away being like oh like I'm bummed they didn't get a moment but I don't know I still kind of like felt it I think I liked the callback to like mm. don't do anything stupid while I'm gone how can I you're taking all the stupid with you from the first Captain America movie yeah that Nice. And then the way that the way that Sebastian Stan, who I just like is an actor that I just have loved for so many, so many years. I think he does so much wonderful, really subtle, small acting. And just the camera sort of staying on his face while Steve stepped onto the, you know, time travel machine, I guess. It's like Bucky knew, you know, it's like so that to yeah. me suggests like he and Steve had their private moment of like talking about what was about to happen. Yeah. And also like I I haven't quite I've had like now a couple of discussions with friends of mine about 
timelines. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because how does Cap, I mean, Cap, he has discipline, like, but like, like he let's manages not get, to not screw up all the timelines. Let's not get right. the Doctor Who fans in here because we're going to have a whole like time yeah. paradox situation. Because well, like <laughs> the whole thing with, you know, the with Tilda Swinton being like, you have to bring the time streams back in. It has to be one. It's like presumably Steve just going back, putting the, all the stones back and then aging naturally if he didn't do anything else. But even with that, it's like, still wouldn't, I guess, Pe- like, wouldn't Peggy know? Something? Like, I don't know. Like, wouldn't that change something? Just the fact that they get married, wouldn't that, like, fundamentally change what Peggy does? And Peggy founded S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's like, wouldn't that change what S.H.I.E.L.D. is? Right. And so, I don't know. There's, like, lots of, I think, fun theories to play with of, like, well, maybe Steve to go back and found Bucky and, like, the Bucky who was there with Sam at the end is actually, huh. like... A Bucky that got rescued much, much earlier, and he hasn't aged because of what the scientist did to him or whatever. What I kind of think is that, you know, when when old Steve is there and Sam asks him about, like, do you want to tell us about what happened to you? And he says, no. Yeah. I kind of think that he was, like, keeping everything under wraps his whole life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was just able, like, through sheer Steve Rogers fortitude to kind of, like, compartmentalize all the things he knew and never tell yeah. Peggy never tell anybody and she kept his identity secret that's it seems like the only way that he could get yeah. there as an old man hiding the shield while his legend is still you know around and then he comes back you know all that stuff i feel like it has to be like steve keeping the future a secret which only he could really do yeah you know? yeah well so here's here's the other thing is that like in winter soldier peggy talks about the husband that she has and it's like you know you, you sort of it pans around photos of her with kids but there's never a picture of her husband interesting and so but then also in that in that movie when steve is at the Aaron space museum and he's watching like the documentary interview with peggy she's like mm-hmm. talking about something that steve did like rescuing a bunch of soldiers and she was like including the man who would become my husband so it's like I don't know. I have lots of questions. <laughs> Whoa, bro. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel like, you know, if I were going to give it a justification, I would I would imagine that Steve going back to her in the past, he would explain like everything right. and yeah. they just like either give him like give him a different identity or yeah. something he's like and he's just like, "Listen, I can't interfere with anything. Um, yeah. yeah. And I can't. But even but, though Steve is garish, he's still kind of a spy. Like, they're both spies. Yeah, yeah right? he is. Yeah. And he's he's good at keeping things buttoned up. Like, he totally could. But it's like... But, but there's got to be something that, like, would change everything. Unless, unless yeah. like it is, like you said, that... And she knew she couldn't tell him when she met him in the future, you know, like... Right, exactly. Yeah. Or, or you know, he, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's <laughs> there's lots of things that it could be. And also, like, the question of when he puts the stones back, does everything, like, I guess everything from the p- timelines that they kind of, like, screwed up just resets, right? Like, Loki disappearing with the Tesseract, like, that just, like, is a race, right? Right. I think. I think. Unle- yeah. I was thinking about that because I was like, huh, Loki did just disappear with the Tesseract, so that's kind of convenient yeah maybe if they wanted to bring him back at some point they could maybe using that justification well and steve also told steve that bucky was alive yeah, i guess the idea is that they're re-scattered yes yeah they're re they're re-scattered so it's like 
none of it ever happened, basically. Right. Yeah. So right. Well, but everyone seems to remember it though, like Doctor Strange. Right. Like they, the people who are keepers of the stones, know everything that happened. And everybody remembers well, after being snapped back, right? Like they yeah. don't remember the five-year interim, but they remember right. what happened to them. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, ugh, also ugh. heartbreaking. Ugh. Yeah. The yeah. I I agree. The the other Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, which oh. I was say, I was saying to Misha like because I because I did know that RDJ was pretty much done. I didn't know exactly mm-hmm. how done he was gonna be, but and I mean you know it's. It's the MCU. They can do whatever they want. I'm sure right. they could bring RTJ <laughs> Especially back. Especially now they've for... introduced time travel. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, we may not have seen the absolute end of him, but probably for the most part. I think he's um, going to yeah. be hologram dad to Peter for a while. God, I hope Maybe. so. I think that's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. So like watch it over and over yeah. again, you know. But, yeah. Oh, I just, I love their, their relationship and their rapport is so good. And yeah. Um, and then in many ways sets up, you know, Tony being a dad and yeah, which is just heartbreaking. I, I actually like as soon as like the five years past thing had happened and he's like living his secluded life up in the woods and has a, has a kid and is married to Pepper. That was when I was kind of like, Oh, oh he going to die. Oh, he's yeah. going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like a character. Um, now he really has a lot to lose. It's like a character on Game yeah. of Thrones completing their arc. It's like, oh, you're going to die. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but the it didn't really occur to me until I rewatched Infinity War right before going to see Endgame. And, you know, when Doctor Strange is like the one scenario in which yeah. they would win. Oh, my God. When he raises and, his finger. Uh, so oh, good. So good. So good. But uh but when but when he stops Thanos from killing Tony and decides to give him the time stone instead right. of him killing Tony, most of the time because we've watched Infinity War a lot, and most of the times that I've watched it, I was just like, Oh, well, it's part of this plan that he sees, you know. Yeah. But then when I was watching it right before Endgame, I was like, Oh no, Tony needs to live because Tony needs to kill Thanos. And right. so just those little things that that was kind of what started to clue it in for me that mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. was going to happen. But uh, it was still it was still really rough. It was still really rough. Yeah, because it was just like and because it wasn't it was sad, but like he got all the things that he could ever have wanted. And like, you mm-hmm. know, like Pepper and and Peter were there and it was just like yeah it was just I think the, the in some ways the perfect ending for that character it was and as uh as Misha said every Iron Man movie is a story of Tony coming from selfishness to selflessness mm, and I think really this was the the most extreme example of that of he yeah. he literally has everything he wants now you know he's got peace he's yeah. got his family and Save at the, the be- universe. And at, well, at the beginning, at the beginning of the movie, he doesn't want to give that up, and right. um, and then when he finally is like, okay, let's do this, he's he's prepared to to give up everything. And I think I yeah. think kind of an under an underreported part of it or under talked about, I guess, is that like at the beginning of the movie, Tony has like serious PTSD. Yeah. 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 And I think his struggle with that is very subtle in the movie, but really mm-hmm. cool. 
you know, yeah. that, and, you know, and I think that Captain America displays it in some subtle ways too, not nearly as much because Tony yeah. seems to feel everything a little bit harder. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. I think it to me, it reads like so generationally, right. Of like mm. yeah. the, the kind of PTSD that Steve has and was exposed to in the war and stuff is very much like oh it's you know they're still sort of operating off like the shell shock model right of like yeah. you've seen some stuff and just bottle up and go about your day you know yeah. right whereas whereas tony like well maybe it manifests as that death wish you were talking about right exactly yeah of like oh well then i i can be careless with my life and tony's careless with his life in in, in other ways right and we certainly have seen that like in sort of younger tony stark Sure. Um, it's interesting because there's this like there's this theory about trauma and all trauma being rooted in betrayal and mm. and like whether it's betrayal of self or betrayal of family or friends or you know like what environment whatever you know uh, it is how the world is supposed to work right yes betrayal of of, of you know, the way you're raised like as a middle class kid yeah. you know told that the world yeah. is fair. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, Hydra and, and Right, Thanos. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. And I feel like for Tony, like so much of both the Iron Man trilogy and the Avenger movies are about like Tony trying to build a family because he never really had one. And then it's like, you yeah. know, Civil War is the betrayal of that family. And 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 I feel like the PTSD that he's experiencing in the beginning of, of Endgame is very much like okay, well, the people who might still be alive betrayed me and the people who were standing by my side are now gone. And so it's just like, I am completely now without a family. I just have this weird blue girl here with me who doesn't seem to like yeah. me very much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm stuck in space, you know? Yep. yep. Well, um, I failed at yeah. everything. Like, that's, right. a, that's a crazy hard thing to have to internalize too, right? Yeah. Yeah, for the smartest man in the world, you know, like to, to feel like you failed is, yeah, really rough. Yeah. Ugh. To me, I was saying this to you, It the end of Endgame to me felt very, I had the same reaction as when seeing Logan. Yeah, because that's 20 mm. years. Yeah, Hugh Jackman was Wolverine, was Wolverine even longer than RDJ yeah. was uh, Iron Man. <laughs> but it really feels like, I mean, I just think Robert Downey Jr. does such a good job. I mean, both such RDJ job. and Chris Evans are just so good. perfect. And the casting of all the Marvel movies is insane. It's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculously it's good. Really I think crazy. they grew Tom Holland in a lab. Yeah. Like, he is the perfect Peter Parker. He it's is. unreal. Oh it is unreal. Homecoming is so ridiculously good. I can't even. It's so good. It's so good. I can't wait for uh, Far From Home. Far From Home. Yeah. Yeah, me I, too. I'm so that, that's Mysterio. The... I know. So I know. Jake Gyllenhaal. I know. It's going to be. It's. It's going to be great. I'm. Very excited about the future of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And while I am sad that we're not going to get more Tony Stark and uh, Steve Rogers and probably some other characters. Oh, this this just leads me to my other thought going back to uh, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I just feel like her character is the one that was the most mismanaged. They did her dirty. In, mm-hmm. um, in the MCU. It's yeah. still, you know, it still affected me when she died, but that yeah. was the one scene that felt very overwrought with the mm. whole like back and forth between her and Hawkeye. Yeah, who's yeah. gonna um, who's gonna kamikaze? Yeah, right, exactly. And <laughs> two self-loathing people battling it out to commit suicide. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And I just, I just think that the like nuance with which we see like Captain America and Tony. We just never 
got that with Black Widow. And I know that they're yeah. making a prequel. Yeah. Um, And I'm excited to see that. And as problematic as Scarlett Johansson has been with her choices and the things that, yeah. the movies that she has made and the things that she has chosen to put her name on, you know, I think she ultimately like does a very good job with what she's yeah. given. Uh, I just wish she were given more. And yeah. like, I, I wish that I had cared more when she died. And she survived <laughs> the Hollywood woman hate machine. She did. That's, like you were talking yeah. about, like where you're only allowed to be popular for three years before everyone hates you. Yeah. And right. somehow, somehow like ScarJo has shadow ninjaed her yeah. way through the minefield. Again. Well, and I, I really do like her in that role a lot. And I, I'm, I'm excited about a potential prequel, though. Like, I, I heard rumors that it might be the first R-rated MCU movie, which Ooh. I think would be good. Because, like, how cool. else do you do a, a, a Natasha Romanoff, movie. like, you know, yeah. origin story? It's very dark. Right. Um, and also, I'm, I'm excited by the prospect of potentially getting, like, pre-breaking his brainwash Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, you know, because, like, that's a big part of it, too. And they kind of, like, tease that in Civil War with, like, you could at least recognize me. It's like, did did she and the Winter Soldier have a relationship like they did in the comics before, you know, Bucky was Bucky again? Right. Um, so there's lots of stuff that interests me in that. And the thing I loved in Endgame was her being the leader at the beginning, you know, after sort yeah. of a five-year jump and, like, being the person who's kind of running everything from headquarters. Because that, that, to me, given sort of who Natasha is first introduced as, as this, like undercover spy keeping an eye on Tony Stark for her to take up the mantle of uh of sort of head avenger like was really Fury. satisfying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Nick Fury was really satisfying. Yeah, no, I I agree. I loved that. And and she really was in many ways, I guess I guess like Paul Rudd in many ways or Ant-Man kind of kicks the action into gear in Endgame, mm-hmm. but she's kind of the glue and the the driving force the one who's trying to keep everything together yeah um at at where we are because it seems like steve is not really i mean it's not that he doesn't want it to happen he's just not actively seeking out a solution as much as she is well yeah and i think that that has so much to do with like i i think natasha and tony are are so aligned a lot of the times because it's like they are often seeking the same thing which is like trying to create this family around them right like yeah. that's sort of Natasha's big thing of like finally having a family and people that she can rely on and and people that she loves um where Steve like you can be really selfish which again is like something I love about his yeah. about his character but it's like it's like okay it's Bucky and Peggy and it's like those two people come first and then everybody else comes after yeah. And it's and so to see Natasha like really yeah trying to be that glue and trying to keep everybody together and the way that she also does in Civil War when she like is you know trying to read the terrain and see what the best option is going to be to keep everybody together and then sort of makes hard decisions when she sees that maybe it's better if Steve and Bucky go off and deal with this thing on their own and right. yeah I just I really sort of respect her strategizing throughout and it cuz it always feels like it's it's coming from a place of wanting to keep her family together. Totally, totally agree. Um, spy mom. Yeah. Spy also, mom, exactly. <laughs> she is. She is our spy mom. I also like that they kind of did away with the Natasha Bruce Banner romance. Yes. Which always <laughs> <do>. felt <laughs> contrived and weird. Just and odd, yeah. Just very odd. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I guess uh, to me what it felt like, and I mean, I have lots of problems with uh, Age of Ultron, but to mm-hmm. me it felt like one of the, you know those movies where like 
the little white kid learns to communicate with the gorilla because it speaks mm. sign language, like where the <laughs> yeah. wild things or whatever, born to be wild or whatever. Yeah. It felt very much like that, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I like that they made fun of it in Thor Ragnarok and Taika yeah. Waititi was yes. like, okay, this is silly. Yeah. Like, well, and then having it. Professor Hulk in Endgame was like, yes. so yeah. great. I so, was, that was so a weird choice great. to make. It was perfect. Oh, it, it was, was so good. good. It was so good. I... The, what I didn't expect was how fucking funny Endgame was going to be. Like the first, It was so funny. The first half of Endgame is hilarious. I was like like laughing hysterically the whole time. But then I, at a certain point, I was like, oh, no, they're making me laugh this much because they're going to make me cry <laughs> so hard. Exactly. You know the downswing is coming, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> and the ride and, up before it plummets. You know, as promised, they delivered. Yeah. So funny. All all the stuff about America's ass just like made me like I know. Just, and just the whole scene of Steve fighting Steve was I think one of my favorite things of like I could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like uh-huh. just really fabulous acting from Chris Evans just being annoyed with the past version of his character. So, so good. good. <laughs> so good. Um and then okay, so then my other the other moment that I wanted to talk about and like what that would remind me of like wine wise was when mm. uh Steve is able to wield the hammer. Oh my god, that was so good! I think, I think, I think everybody just like oh, cheered dude. in the I theater. Mean, yep, yeah. I was, I was like a nine-year-old kid at a magic yeah. show. I was like, oh my god! I think I screamed, like audibly screamed. Yep, yep. And people were applauding. Yeah, like, it was yeah. like a sports yeah. event. It was crazy. It was, <laughs> and, and also what I loved was that Thor wasn't like jealous. He was like, oh, yeah. I knew it. And that yeah, was like, I knew it. that was so great. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess I like if I were to equate that with something, I don't know, I guess the most obvious thing would be like popping a bottle of champagne or something. Yes. Like, really exciting. Pop pop popping bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Um or just like for me when I have a sip of like a really great Chianti or like Italian red wine. Yeah. Because for me, like that, those are the wines that bring me the most joy. And that moment, it was just like, oh, this is so good. Okay, I lied. I'm back one more time. But I just realized that the moment when Steve wields the hammer is more like when you really nail a blind tasting. Like you call the vintage and the exact vineyard and everything. And then your buddy Thor pops open the champagne because he's so happy for you. Well, it's like, viscerally physically satisfying yes you know especially after like, seeing him beat the shield down yes oh, oh, like, oh, oh yeah oh, my god that was so oh, bad happened. yeah that was awful. that was that was rough that was rough yeah. okay really last time now the moment where steve's shield breaks is when you open a really expensive or special bottle that you've been saving for years and it's corked okay i'm really done now but yeah and then Oh yeah, and then the moment where they're all coming back through the through the portals and through stuff. the portals, yeah, and like oh first, God. first it's uh, Black Panther. Ibombe! Yes, and it's like one well, on your left. Yes, Sam, your another left. comic to Winter Soldier. I know, I know, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so good. Yeah, I. Oh, I want to go watch it again. I know. I, <laughs> me, I know. Me too. Totally. We're. I. I'm definitely dragging you back there this weekend. I'm so into it. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Day. I can't. I can't wait to see it again. Lauren, thank you so much for being here, and thanks so much for having me. Of course, and 
Uh, you've got some. You've got some new stuff out. So what? I do yeah. What What's going on with your your life and your work right now that you would like to plug? Well, we recently released the AM Archives, which is a spinoff of The Bright Sessions, and you can get that on Luminary. Just go to luminarypodcast.com and you can sign up and it's uh, you get the first three months free and um, we've got 16 really exciting episodes and then a little like bonus, bonus series within that. Um, and yeah, it's just been so much fun to make and I'm so excited that it's being released now. I've listened to the first two episodes and they are, as promised, incredible um, thank also, you. The, thank the you. music is. So I know. Good. Oh, oh my god, that is my dear, dear friend uh, Evan Cunningham, who I whom I've known since college. We sang college oh, acapella amazing. together, and I like amazing. then when he moved out here, I wrangled him into composing for me, and it's been so fun to have. It's the first show we've ever done with a full score. Um, it's, so it's first scripted show, phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And your book? Where can we get your book? Yes, my book, uh, The Infinite Noise. If you just Google The Infinite Noise, it should come up, and you can pre-order it. it comes out in September. And then I also am in a uh, an actual play D and D podcast called Arcs that my company Atypical Artists yeah. makes that comes out uh, every other week. So you can catch up on that. That now we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, so it's the perfect time to catch up on our first uh, couple arcs. We, uh, Winston and I just started our first D&D campaign in a while, and he yes. is DMing, and he's killing it, and, Amazing. Uh, and so we're definitely gonna, I've, I've listened to the first couple episodes of ARCs, but I have to, I have to catch up, so now's the perfect time to do it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you thank for- Thank you. Of course. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Rock on forever. Keep killing it. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Scherzarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Check out our new merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.